0: It's time to play like a jet with your host Scott Mason. Play like a jet. What does that mean? Here's Donald airing it out. People ball separation. Caught. Robbie Anderson. Goodbye. Touchdown Jets. The whole NFL is watching. A fourth and ten,
1: and here they come. Mayfield's pass is intercepted by Mosley. Maybe on the cut. Bell breaks a tackle. Bell trying to go all the way. Right turn for Crowder, and he's going to go all the
0: way. Touchdown, 85 yards. Looking downfield, fires this one, and intercepted at the 34. Jamal Adams takes it away. hit, hit immediately. He, he got the handoff. You
1: know <laughs> <laughs> The q Oh my gosh. Listen, thank you.
2: From the Vivid Seats studios, use the promo code OVERTIME to get yourself up to 100 bucks off your very first purchase. When you download the Vivid Seats mobile app, this is Play Like a Jet. My name is Scott Mason. You can follow me on Twitter at PlayLikeAJet1. And this is the weekend mailbag. So for that, of course, we bring in the owner, the operator, the lead reporter, the whole shebang over at JetsInsider.com. And of course, above all that, a very big deal, Mr. Chris Nimbly. So Chris... It appears this franchise is cursed because everybody was looking forward to Sam Darnold coming back and thank God for that. But we were also looking forward to Christopher Herndon coming back and then somehow he manages to tweak his hamstring in practice and now he's not going to play on Sunday.
1: Yeah, it was... uh, This is just the way the season has gone, right? Like, this is just how it's gone. It's one thing after another. Um, you know, I, uh, I'm sitting there like, all right, they get Darnold back and it'll be even a bigger help that you get Herndon back. Uh, you know, Herndon's not the best blocker, but he can, he can do some blocking. They obviously need more, uh, receiving targets, which we know he, he that's what he does. Um, he can be a mismatch problems for opposing defenses, especially against Dallas. Dallas has a uh, struggle to get covering tight ends. Um, and then all of a sudden, uh, you're, we're going in We're thinking oh, he's going to be playing this week. It'll be good for Darnold to have him back. Uh, perfect timing for them to come back. And Oh, wait, no, what he, he did what now he, he pulled a hamstring. He pulled a hamstring when he was running routes by himself last week. Um, <laughs> it's Oh, okay. Yep. Yeah, this, that's, this is just the type of season that it's been so far. And I mean, you, you can, you can game plan, you can draw all you want for all this stuff There there's, you know, and they always talk about next man up stuff. Um, but the thing is, that doesn't work when you have a team that has holes in the starting lineup, let alone has no depth. Next man up doesn't work when you have no depth. This is why before the season when everyone was like, stop talking about McKagan, he's gone. I was like, nah, we can't stop talking about it. He He's gone. His impact on this roster is not. And that's that's why you can't do next man up when the next man up shouldn't be on an NFL team
2: as Luke Skywalker said no one's ever really gone so we have to keep talking about Mike McKagan for this reason because yes technically he is gone but his legacy remains at least for now. And the Jets are going to be dealing with that for the next couple of years as Joe Douglas tries to fix all of the mistakes that he made. And Christopher Herndon being injured is not a Mike McCagney mistake, but it is more of the bad luck that the Jets have suffered over the last couple of years. Good news, though, at least, the final injury report is not out yet, and we will have more information about that tomorrow when we have our pregame report. But at this moment, it looks like Jordan Jenkins has a chance at least to play.
1: Yeah, he's officially listed as uh, limited. Uh, He was officially listed as limited yesterday. Uh, That's a pretty good sign. Also, when, uh, you know, Gase was talking about Herndon and all the other things, and then we was being asked about CJ Mosley, and how he's probably still not there. He was asked about uh, Jordan Jenkins, and he was like, he will be limited today. So there's some good news. Uh, there's a positive right there is what his uh, his quote was. So, you know, we'll, we'll see if he's going to, uh, if he's going to be able to play or not, but that's a good sign. It would be a huge boost to get him back this week against Dallas. Obviously we've talked about the type of player he is and how he's not uh, an elite pass rusher or anything, but the Cowboys are missing their uh, two starting offensive tackles. So That'll be a big help for him to uh, go ahead and uh, be able to play if he can, in fact, do so.
2: And we are going to talk a lot more about the fact that the Cowboys are missing those two offensive tackles when we do our pregame report coming up Sunday morning. So make sure you're listening to that. We're going to have our keys to the game. But for now, we are going to dive right into the mailbag. First question comes in from our buddy Gus Toon. He says, How many games with Sam Darnold back are you going to give Gase before you come off the fence? I'm giving him the whole season, I'm not going to lie. I may register my displeasure if he's not doing well with Sam Darnold at certain points throughout the rest of the season, and I may start to make judgments on him, but I'm willing to give him the full season because he's not getting fired anyway. And as I keep saying, and I will continue to say, buy the ticket, take the ride. That's it. Give him the full year. Let's see what he can do.
1: Yeah, I mean I'm giving him the full season 2 and I mean there's just there's really no point in doing anything else. Uh again I I will say this this uh you know if he starts doing more stuff where he refuses to take accountability and he's throwing players throwing players under the bus, that type of stuff that I will be more critical of. Um but and this is another thing and this is just a problem with Uh, sports in general not even just the Jets not even just the NFL we do too much reaction on a game-to-game basis where I think you're you're obviously better waiting for a full season to play out and then judge the season but that that's expecting way too much Uh, nobody's actually gonna do that so at least like try to break it up into sections so judge like every four games or something along those lines. Um, so now you're sitting here and you're looking at right now, they got the Cowboys, they got the Patriots, and the Jags coming up. After that it's the Dolphins, Giants, Redskins, Raiders is that next four games. If you really want to get a snapshot on Adam Gase with Sam Darnold, then obviously that's, you know, you got to combine kind of what you see these next three weeks out with those four weeks, <clears throat> because those four weeks are the bottom team. So that's a little too easy on him. You it, you want to kind of mesh them and look how it goes. Um, you know, I don't know. I don't know how fair it will even be for us to look at this week against with Darnold back against the Cowboys, because we don't know exactly what type of shape Darnold is in, what type of rust he's going to have to shake off. So everyone's going to, point and say Donald's back. They should have them scoring 30 points right off the bat against a really good defense. And again, with still no Chris Herndon, I don't know that that's fair either. So, and we see this all the time in the league where you have, you know, teams struggle for a week or two that this happens in the NFL. So you got to try to judge in like uh, sections of the season. So I'm not saying throw away what you see in these next three games, but balance that out over what you're going to see in the next four games against the dolphins, Washington and Giants. Like and then the Raiders too. You got to balance that out. Uh but if if after that four game stretch that you know, a Giants, Dolphins, Washington and Raiders stretch if everything's still as bad as it's been here, then yeah, I'm probably going to be right there being like yeah, this, something's going to have to change.
2: Next question comes in from Joe at Soul Brother. He says, I'm enamored with the coach from Army, so of course that means we're going to be stuck with Gase for another two seasons, right? (laughs) It's always how it seems. Everybody's talking about Lincoln Riley right now too, and some people have been talking about Kellen Moore, although that's probably quieted down a little bit after the last couple of weeks. Although now we're going to get a chance to see Kellen Moore up close and personal this Sunday. I think that Adam Gase is going to most likely be here for two seasons minimum, yes. Doesn't mean it's definite. Chris has outlined a scenario in which he could see Gase getting fired. I think if he starts to implode the way that he did at the end of his Miami tenure, if things really get out of control and this team ends up going two and 14 or something like that, because Gase loses the locker room, then maybe, but yeah, I think there's a pretty strong chance that Gase is going to be here for at least two
1: years. Yeah. um, Quick comment on the army head coach. He is Jeff Monken cousin of Todd Monken. Mm. So, so you could have been very close to having somebody that was related to the Army head coach. Um, <laughs> now I don't I don't know much about uh, Jeff Bonkin and Army. I, I did watch their their close game against Michigan. That's that's uh, you know Army's not one of those teams I generally watch a lot of. But yeah, it's I mean you're probably stuck with Adam GaSe for at least two years, and that's generally how it goes with hiring coaches. Um, You know, the whole Steve Wilkes situation in Arizona, that's a rarity, and it's usually not uh, a good thing, and it's not going to endear you to more candidates coming forward, so that's an anomaly, that's not something that happens a lot, like we've talked about, it's entirely possible that Gates doesn't handle things right, and blows up, and it becomes such a mess that they do feel the need, they have to move on. But I just, I, with the way the schedule opens up with getting Darnold back, I still feel pretty confident that they're going to get, you know, five to six wins on this season. And that alone, isn't going to be enough to fire him. So you're, you're most likely going to get two years out of him unless he just self destructs and drives himself out of here.
2: Yeah, I agree, Chris. I think that if they win five to six games and Sam Darnold is looking like the Sam Darnold that we saw the last four games of last season, but over a longer stretch so that he is taking the next step in his career, then Adam Gase is definitely going to be back here. And he will have at least two full seasons, like I said. If Darnold collapses or just takes a major regression, that might be a different discussion. But for now, everybody is very optimistic that he's going to take that next leap, which is why you should go over to mybookie.ag and bet on the Jets. If you sign up now, they will double your first deposit. They'll match it. So that means if you go over there, you put down a deposit of 100 bucks. You'll get 200 bucks in betting money with mybookie.ag. Get in there now before people realize that Sam Darl might be back to form on Sunday. You can get him with more points on the spread. You can also bet on prop bets, too, if you want. You can bet on how many yards Le'Veon Bell's going to have or what percentage Of the yardage and the offense he's going to generate, which Chris and I are going to talk about in a second because it's pretty funny. You can bet on that. I'll give you a spoiler alert. It's going to be a very high number. You can bet on the number of touchdowns that Sam Darnold's going to have in his return and so many more prop bets. So go over to mybookie.ag right now. Use the promo code Overtime, and they will match your first deposit. MyBookie, you play, you win, and you get paid. Chris, I want to get back to that point about Le'Veon Bell before we continue in the mailbag because Field Yates had an insane stat that I still am shaking my head at. I can't believe I actually read it.
1: Yeah, this, this is a crazy stat. So he tweeted out the highest percentage of team scrimmage yards this season for for one player to have, to, you know, how they take up that amount of percentage for the total team scrimmage yards. Le'Veon Bell... Has fifty one point eight percent of the Jets' total scrimmage yards, so he has gotten more yards from scrimmage than the entire rest of the team combined. Fifty one point eight percent is all him. That is nuts. I mean, I know it, it's it's not a lot of yards because they're not uh, gaining a lot of yards. But that just tells you how bad this offense is, uh, especially with, with Luke Falk playing quarterback. Uh, that That's the only weapon that they've been able to rely on for these past three games. That's it. It's just Le'Veon Bell, and he's doing it behind a bad offensive line. That is an insane stat. Now, Christian McCaffrey's number two on that list with 46.8%. Close percentage, but obviously Cam Newton's out. Uh, they have a really good offensive line. Christian McCaffrey is is putting up, you know, 200-plus-yard games with like 100 receiving yards in there. But then Dalvin Cook at 41.5, and then it dramatically drops down to 35% for Nick Chubb and 335 for Alvin Kamara. That's a huge amount of uh, the percentage. It's, it's all Le'Veon Bell. That's this entire offense.
2: It certainly is, and that's why a lot of people have questioned what the Jets are going to look like when Sam Darnold does come back, and whether or not Adam Gase is going to be able to move away from his over-reliance on Le'Veon Bell, and to that end, Vice Rosa asks, any chance that we see an offensive coordinator hired in the offseason, assuming that Gase keeps his job? It seems like Gase needs someone to congregate with regarding his offensive philosophy. Would Joe Douglas make that kind of move? So I do think that it's possible that Dowell Loggins will be made to walk the plank at the end of the season if things don't go well because he'll be the fall guy. Now, I don't think that anybody they bring in will be anything more than an offensive coordinator in name only because the whole point of bringing Gase in here was to have him work with Sam Darnold. And if you're going to keep him, you're assuming that the Jets believe that he's still the right guy to work with Sam Darnold. And you don't want to make Sam Darnold shift to a third offensive system in three seasons while you're still keeping the head coach whose system you're transitioning away from. So I think if Gase sticks around, it's possible that Dow Loggins ends up being the fall guy and they bring in somebody else, but that person is still going to be running the Gase offense the way that Loggins is. So as far as what you're actually asking, which is will the Jets shift to another offense if Gase sticks around, I don't think so.
1: Yeah, I, I don't see it happening. If if, uh, if a move like that's going to be made, I think Gase is going to be gone, and, and that's it. Uh, otherwise, you're going to look at a situation kind of like Cleveland right now where you hire and bring in someone like Todd Monken, who, I, who no one knows what he's doing there because Freddie Kitchens is calling everything, and they're not doing uh, a Todd Monken system, not running those types of plays. You bring a guy in there, and Gase isn't gonna. Gace is gonna run his offense. Gase isn't gonna turn it over to somebody else. That's not. That's not gonna happen. Um, so you'd have to bring somebody else in who would basically just be another Dow Loggins. Um I, I. I don't see that happening. And and if the off chance that, uh, like you said, they just have Dow Logins be the fall guy and they bring someone else in. It would just be another uh, person to to just go along with uh, Gase because Gase isn't going to sit here and have somebody uh, that's pushing back on him. Uh, And if he does push back on him like that, he's not going to listen to him. He's just going to run the offense how he wants to run the offense.
2: Next question comes in from Byron. He says, in light of Golden Tate and Brandon Copeland's PED situations, Why does the NFL, UFC, and all sports not implement a universal well-tested product range that is void of quote-unquote tainted supplements so that when someone gets busted, they are legit caught for roiding? I feel like tainted supplements have become a bit of a scapegoat. This is an interesting question. I honestly don't know enough about the way that the testing works to be able to give you an educated answer on what they could do here. I know that UFC has used USADA testing, but there are a lot of people that have complained about that. There's Olympic-style testing, which, from what I understand, is probably the best way to do this. But I'm not sure how you would root out the possibility of tainted supplements. And obviously, that's always going to be an excuse for guys. And obviously, sometimes it's going to be the truth, and a lot of times it's not going to be the truth. So... That's the best answer I can give you based on what I know. I think there are probably a lot of MMA-related websites that you could read about with this because I know that Dave Meltzer, specifically from the Wrestling Observer, has talked a ton about this, so he's probably a good source. You can follow him on Twitter, or you can go to his website, which is f4wonline.com, and he typically reports about these things. So that would be my answer is that I think that what you're saying makes sense, but I'm not entirely sure the best way to go about it.
1: Yeah, I forget exactly because I remember having a similar thought years ago. I was like, why don't they just all come together and just either uh, find, like, a a product that they already approve or just create, like, their own ones and say, like, these are the supplements you should use. Um, But part of the problem is also just, like – because I think I remember uh, years ago that the NFL gave players – I'm not hundred percent sure if I remember this correctly, but I'm pretty sure I do that they gave them uh, like a, a list of approved supplements to be used. But the problem is, you and you know this. Anytime you go to a store, you go to a store, you see a bunch of stuff on the shelves. You go to that same store a month later, and you see all this new stuff on the shelves. Companies are always uh, introducing new products. And they're changing ingredients. And it's very hard and impossible to keep up with. And I'm not even just talking about supplements here. I'm talking about just like regular food you get at the store. Um, And then he also touched on what is a a very real problem is, you know, a few years ago, it was always players would fail for a drug test and say it was for Adderall. And some players, I'm sure, failed because of Adderall. But there was definitely, a, I know for a hundred percent certainty that players were just saying they failed for Adderall because the NFL is not to, uh, allowed to legally disclose what you actually failed for. So they can just claim it was for Adderall and nobody's going to get it up in arms over it, but it was really for something else. And then you remember, uh, there was like a, I forget who it was, somebody, uh, blame their test on uh, the eating meat in Mexico and now it's bad supplements and of course there's definitely some bad supplements but it's also like ah, it could. that's a very easy excuse to make as well so I'm sure there are some failing because of that this is just such a complicated mess and I don't really see any way around it uh, the we know, I know very little about steroids, but what I know about steroids is the people who are using them and, like, you know, selling them, getting rid of them, they're constantly changing to stay a step or two ahead of the law and a step or two ahead of the league. So, as soon as the league outlaws one thing, a new thing becomes available to these players. If you, a great uh, documentary to watch. Watch a documentary, it's on Netflix now, called Screwball. All about the steroid stuff in baseball and about uh, Alex Rodriguez and Manny Ramirez and uh, about Miami. It's such a Miami story. It is so wildly entertaining. I can't recommend it enough. Go watch it. But you see the way they're constantly changing. I just don't know that there is any possible way you can have a fair standard to set with this. I I just, there's always going to get some people who get caught up in it unfairly. And there's always going to be people that can exploit the system (laughs) to benefit themselves unfairly to everybody else. I just, this is one of those things that I just feel like the NFL and leagues would just better be, be better off just staying away from, I'm not saying encourage it, but there's just no possible way to come up with a uniform testing Uh, ability here. There's just nothing that you can do for it. It's impossible.
0: Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So, whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So, download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting.
1: Go to your happy place for Happy
0: Price. Go to your Happy Price, Priceline. Play like a jet. Play like a jet.
2: Next question comes in from our buddy Kevin Jackson, Spotty Blackman. He says, "Is it unrealistic to expect Leonard Williams to be out of football within the next two seasons?" I don't think it's likely. He's only twenty-four years old, and he hasn't had any major injuries. I know he's gotten off to a really slow start this season. But he's otherwise been at least a pretty good player over the course of his career, if not what we expected him to be when he was drafted number six overall. It's not impossible because look at what happened with Muhammad Wilkerson. There's a guy who at one point was an elite player, and then he just started mailing it in. And the next thing you know, it's 2019, only a couple of seasons after he signed a massive contract and he's out of football altogether. But I think that Leo is talented enough and young enough that he'll get enough chances that even if he's underperforming, he'll stick around in the league for at least another couple of years.
1: Unless he just decides he's retiring and walking away, I see no chance of that happening. He's going to get another contract next year from someone, and that that team is going to be likely to give him at least two years. It's He hasn't been good. It's, it's, it's uh, frustrating, and I get how frustrating it is for fans to watch. It doesn't really make sense how he, like how not great he's been, but he hasn't been so bad that it's like he doesn't deserve a roster spot in the NFL. I, I totally understand Jets being fed up, fans being fed up, and saying, well, let him go be on somebody else's team, but he's going to be able to go on somebody else's team and stick around for at least another two years.
2: Next question comes in from Joe at Soul Brother again. He says... Guys, are you part of the Aldi Hive or the Trader Joe's gang? (laughs) I'll be honest, neither one. I don't shop at Trader Joe's very often. I only go when there's a novelty item that I really need, and I never go to Aldi's. I know that you later on in this thread, Joe, said, I'm going to be pissed if they pick something lame like Wegmans. Sorry, dude. I love Wegmans. I also love Stu Leonard's. And to be quite honest, I'm pretty simple when it comes to stuff. I'm generally a BJ's, Costco, or ShopRite kind of guy. ShopRite is right by where I live, so it's convenient, too. If I want to mass buy, it's usually BJ's or Costco, and then... If I want some really good prepared foods or if there are some homemade items that I'm looking to get, a lot of times it's Wegmans or Stu Leonard's. So that's generally where I do my food shopping. I apologize for disappointing you. I know that you were hoping I was part of one of those two groups, but I don't do much of my shopping at Trader Joe's. I don't do any of it at Aldi. And I will say, I do occasionally go to farmer's markets and get myself some fresh fruit and fresh vegetables, though. So that's about as adventurous and exotic as I get, I guess.
1: All right. So I had never even heard of Aldi's. these. Uh, I, I didn't know what it was. Uh, I, when I heard Trader Joe's, I figured it was a new one of those those stores. I'd been to Trader Joe's a couple times with this girl I used to see. So I've been there a couple of times. But... I feel like I'm kind of exempt from this question because I am a 39-year-old single man. I do my shopping at the shop right, right down the street mm-hmm. or the 7-Eleven that's like a couple <laughs> hundred feet from my house. I like I will go to the 7-Eleven just to buy some milk and whatever just because it's right there. I can literally walk to it. Um, I, I also do mostly takeout for my food. So uh, I don't do a ton of... Uh, bulk shopping because it just doesn't make sense for me. Like I'm going to, if I buy in bulk, I, I'm going to have to throw out half of the stuff because it's not, it's gone bad. So I, you know, back in the day when I was in college and stuff, I would go to BJ's. Um, so I could load up on all that stuff because I didn't have ways to get around and go to grocery store. But right now I really, I go to shop right to get food that, you know, over the next two or three days, Otherwise, it's takeout and 7-Eleven for quick stuff. That That's it. Uh, yeah, I, I, I don't do a lot of that uh, that type of shopping.
2: I will go to Trader Joe's, like I said, every once in a while if I need a novelty item. But to be honest with you, I feel like Trader Joe's and Whole Foods are just really expensive with items that you can often get in the regular supermarket for a lot less money. And it's a lot less convenient because I got to go find a Whole Foods or find a Trader Joe's.
1: Yeah, tra- I think the closest Trader Joe's to me is twenty minutes away, um, uh, like uh, in Florham Park, on the opposite side of Florham Park of where the uh, the Jets practice. Uh, there, I know there are a couple Wegmans that opened up recently around me, but I've never even gone in them. So I just go to the shop right right down the street, or like I said, just that Seven Eleven. But again, most most of my food is is takeout
2: Wegmans and Stu Leonard's are both incredible, though. Their prepared food section is unreal and they have so many cool homemade items that I absolutely love. My joke is always that if I go into Wegmans or if I go into Stu Leonard's, I have to give my wallet to somebody else so that I don't walk out of there with a bill that's about a thousand dollars because you could very easily rack up an insanely huge bill in a place like that because there's so much great food that you're not going to be able to find anywhere else. So again, sorry to disappoint you, Joe, but definitely um, Wegmans and Stu Leonard's when I'm looking for that kind of stuff. I'm ShopRite when it's pure convenience. I'm BJ's or Costco when I'm looking to load up. And every once in a while, I will go to a farmer's market to get some fresh fruit and fresh veggies because there really is nothing like a farmer's market when you're looking for items like that.
1: Step into the world of power, loyalty.
0: No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18-plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Play like a Jet. Play like a Jet.
2: Next question comes in from Michael Christopher. He says, after watching the game live with the Eagles and Jets, have you changed your stance on Chase Young or drafting a top offensive tackle with the first pick? Also, how good is Lincoln Riley, especially considering what he's done with the last three QBs? There's no salary cap for coaches, Why don't the Jets or any other team give him a Gruden-type contract and make it impossible for him to say no? Great play designs and grooming the QB is the biggest thing for success in the NFL. Also, winning equals more money for owners, so I'm not sure why any owner hasn't tried to make him the high-speed coach. As a Jets fan, I would love it if the Johnsons did this. So let's start with the first part of your question about whether or not I've changed my answer, and I haven't. I still believe that Joe Douglas can do well in the second, third and fourth round when it comes to offensive line and perhaps even cornerback i think that when you're picking as high as the jets would be picking at this moment now this could obviously change but obviously if the season ended now they would be right in the mix for whatever player they wanted and i just think that chase young has a chance to be such a dominant edge rusher that i would pick him and all due respect to thomas who i think is going to be really good i just don't think he's quite on that same level with young I think that if Douglas does that, he can then go ahead and pick offensive linemen in the second, the third, the fourth, whatever. But I don't think you can afford to pass on a talent like Young if you have the opportunity to draft him. As far as the second part of this with Lincoln Riley, I think somebody will try to lure him. In fact, several teams probably will with that type of godfather offer. Whether or not he wants to do it is hole in their story. Personally, if it was me, I wouldn't. He's got it made at Oklahoma. He's a god there. He's already racked up a ton of success. Look at what he's done with, as you said, the last three quarterbacks he's had. He has a legitimate chance at the national championship again this year, and he's going to keep being able to recruit because every quarterback in the country in high school is going to want to play for him. And he's got so much less stress at Oklahoma He's beloved there in a way that almost no coach can be beloved anywhere in professional football. He's making a ton of money. The schedule is a lot less stressful. The main thing he has to worry about is recruiting and just continuing to tweak his system. If it were me, personally, I would never leave Oklahoma. I can't speak for Lincoln Riley. We'll see if somebody offers him that John Gruden-type deal. If they do, then maybe he's tempted. But you have to remember also that it is a risk. I think that hiring Lincoln Riley would be a tremendous swing for the fences, and I totally endorse it for any team. I think he's done a fantastic job developing quarterbacks, and I love his offensive system, and I think he could work in the NFL, but we don't know for a fact. Because we've never actually seen him do it. And there have been other times where great college coaches have come into the NFL and failed spectacularly. Steve Spurrier is an example, Nick Saban is an example. And I know a lot of people have said, well, if it doesn't work out for him in the NFL, he could always go back to college. But remember, sometimes a lot of the luster comes off of you if you fail big time in the NFL. Look at what happened to somebody like Chip Kelly. Look at what happened to Steve Spurrier. The one major exception here is obviously Nick Saban. But to be fair, he didn't stick around that long with the Dolphins. And I wouldn't say he was that big of a failure. It's not like the Dolphins were 1-15 in or anything like that under him. So to answer your question, I think that somebody will come calling Certainly could be multiple teams It's just going to be a matter of whether or not Lincoln Riley wants to leave What's an incredibly cushy situation
1: Okay, so with the Chase Young thing I have not changed my mind yet But I will change my mind about A hundred times before the draft actually Comes (laughs) This is is what happens when the draft Comes, especially once I start Actually digging into the film on a player And then I fall in love with the player And then when we're talking about uh, You know trying to gauge where they're going to pick. And then once I start hearing about what other teams in front of them are going to do, I'm going to change my mind about a hundred times. But my main answer will always be, I have to wait to see how the board falls and, and what they do in free agency and all that. So right now my answer hasn't changed, but it will. Um, When it comes to Lincoln Riley, I agree with everything you just said. Uh, number one, uh, he he's great, undeniably great. Um, it, what he's able been able to do with a new quarterback coming in like every year, and it, they seem to get better every year. Like it was last year, we're watching Kyler Murray, and we're like, wait a second, he's playing better than Baker was, and Jalen Hurts now, and it's like all right, it's not, but it's like, how, what? How? And he he looks far better than he ever did at Alabama. Now they run a much different offense where they ask him to do more than Alabama did. Uh, That probably has something to do with Alabama always having one of the best defenses where Lincoln Riley is playing with a big 12 defense because Oklahoma's defense is not uh, any good. Uh, Even now they're a little improved. They're still not good. Um, But as far as him coming out, uh, the teams are going to make a run at him. Uh, From everything I've heard and just what I think, I don't think he's going to have any interest, not anytime soon, and I don't blame him. A, I get this is – he's saying to just go ahead and throw all the money at him, but money in college tends to be better. There's a lot less pressure. He's going to get a lot more rope if, uh, let's just say, like next season Oklahoma struggles and they have two or three – He's going to get a lot more freedom and a lot more Mm -hmm. rope there. If he gets hired by an NFL team, I mean, look look at what we're doing with Gase right now. Uh, As much as neither you and I were on the Gase uh, bandwagon here, they've played four games, three of them without the starting quarterback, uh, two and a half of them with a third-string quarterback, all the other things, and people want to run him out the door already. Why would uh, Lincoln Riley leave to – his comfortable spot where he knows he's got safety. he feels comfortable. He knows he's going to be able to continue choosing his own players. This is another thing. People don't re- uh, think about enough. That is such a huge benefit to the coaches. They get to go out and recruit players. They don't have a salary cap to deal with. They, the, the only limitation is the limitation on scholarships they can give. But when you're Oklahoma, all the good players are gonna want to go to you. So he got gets his choice between these players. Being in college, if if I'm a head coach in college and like I'm I'm a Lincoln Riley, Dabo uh, Sweeney type coach in college, I'm not even getting tempted by the NFL. Man, let me stay here in this college town and let me be looked at as a god. Let me collect my $10 million per year and have the job security to know that I'm going to be able to collect that $10 million a year for the next decade or however long I want. Uh, Maybe later in life, Lincoln Riley might get the itch to see, but man, I would be awfully comfortable just staying in college and collecting that check.
2: As you said, Chris, there's a very big reason why guys like Joe Paterno and Bobby Bowden stayed in college for a million years and never tried to go to the NFL, and it's not because – They were afraid to fail. It's because they knew that they were in a situation that they could stay in for as long as they wanted, get paid a ton of money, be worshipped, and have a much easier schedule and a lot less pressure. The story about Steve Spurrier working what would be a relatively normal schedule. Now, obviously, relatively normal in terms of football coaches is different than relatively normal for a normal person. But still, it wasn't the kind of schedule that you see these NFL head coaches having to work where you're hearing that they're doing... 16-hour days every single day around the year with the exception of maybe one week after the season ends or something These guys are able to have actual off seasons other than the recruiting They can take it easy and they don't have to spend 16 hours a day coaching I think if lincoln riley were to go Yes, it would take a major money off for maybe a john gruden kind of thing and also Maybe at some point as you said chris as he gets older, his ego gets the better of him the way that it did with somebody like Spurrier, and he starts to think, okay, can I prove myself at the NFL level? Can I go to the NFL and show that all the success I've had in college would also work in the NFL? That could be what gets the better of him down the line, but for now, he's making a fortunate Oklahoma, like we said— Every quarterback in high school in the country Is going to want to play for him Because three straight seasons With three different players He's had these guys in the Heisman mix He had two straight Heisman winners And I don't think Jalen Hurts is going to win the Heisman But he's going to finish in the top five Most likely if he keeps this up So if I'm Lincoln Riley As you said Chris No reason for me to go anywhere He's got one of the best gigs you could ever want Making a fortune for a lot less pressure Than he would face in the NFL down the line, maybe he changes his mind because of ego. But for now, I think he's going to stay where he is. And that's exactly what I would do, to be quite honest with you.
1: Let me just add this, too. It, the control factor. How much control college coaches have over everything, as opposed to an NFL coach, where an NFL coach has to worry about the uh, the GM and how he gets along with the GM. And then on top of that, the owner. Now, obviously, college coaches have to deal with boosters and the AD and uh, stuff like that. But you're dealing when you're dealing with an owner. NFL owners, their the NFL teams are their toys. Like Lincoln Riley, think about the na- the teams that he's usually associated with. People, why doesn't he go to the Browns and uh, reunite with Baker Mayfield? All right, so. Lincoln Riley is going to give up everything he has in Oklahoma, all that control at Oklahoma, to go work for uh to go look work for Jimmy Haslam, or the Cowboys. Now all of a sudden he wants to go there and be Jerry Jones's puppet. Jerry Jones meddling in everything. Um, and, you know, athletic directors. There's good and bad athletic directors. They don't tend to meddle in the same way that NFL owners do. So the control is such a huge thing for these college coaches to ask them to give up all that control and they go work for owners that could be meddlesome. And then, like I said, a a quarterback gets mono and then a a couple injuries and all of a sudden people are trying to run you out of town four weeks into the season. Uh, It's just the comfort level and and the control that they get to keep in college. I just – Totally understand the appeal of why someone like him would want to stay in college
2: to be fair, Chris, if they gave him a Gruden deal, he would have the control because obviously if you're giving a guy a 10 year, $100 million deal, you're giving it to him to have blanket authority and do whatever he wants, kind of the way that Gruden does. In Oakland, We know that he's got Mayock there as his GM, but everybody knows that Gruden is the one that calls all the shots. So I would assume that if Riley were to even consider leaving, he would probably want to command that type of power in addition to the major money.
1: Yeah, absolutely. But that's also a reason why uh, uh, the Jimmy Haslam's the Jerry Jones would never give that contract out to anybody Mm -hmm. that like, you know, like, Mark Davis is willing to do that because he's he doesn't you know it's a different situation also Mark Davis can't uh, the Raiders don't have the type of money where Mark Davis can just afford to just eat that 10 uh, year contract you know Jerry Jones he could give that Gruden contract to somebody and it, uh, two years later could say screw it, I'm just going to eat this contract and I'm, uh, I, it's not going to matter. He's impulsive enough to do something like that. Um, but, yeah, that, that's why uh, NFL teams won't give out that type of contract.
2: That's true, Chris. But if Jerry Jones did that, that would work out pretty well for Riley because then he would pocket all the money for the next eight years and go to college and make a big fortune going back to college and being a hero at some other university, too. So I don't think that would be the worst thing in the world for Lincoln Riley either. But I do get your point. I think Jerry Jones would be very unlikely to give out a contract like that. I think there are a lot of owners that would be. But there are a few, as you said, Mark Davis is one example. And I'm sure we could think of a couple of others that would be desperate Enough to do it I don't know that Christopher Johnson and Woody Johnson are in That category but I will say this If the Adam Gase thing doesn't work Out I wouldn't be a hundred percent Shocked if a couple of years from now if Lincoln Riley is still doing what he's doing now you know how they love to make a big splash. I'm not saying they would land him, but I'm certainly not going to rule out the possibility because they've done a lot of flashy moves before, and I don't know that there would be a flashier move they can make than bringing in somebody like Lincoln Riley, especially if he's still the hot commodity that he is right now.
1: Yeah, if if let's just go down this hypothetical road and say either at the end of this season or next season, the Jets do fire Adam Gase. And Lincoln Riley's still of uh, it, you know, at Oklahoma, and he still looks as good as he is. The Jets are going to make a run at him. They're the guy at least going to want to try to interview him and bring him in. I just don't see him taking the job. And it's not that's not, I don't see him. I'm not saying I don't see him taking the Jets job. I just don't see him leaving Oklahoma.
2: Oh, I absolutely agree with you, and also there's the issue of Joe Douglas, who they just gave a six-year contract to. Would Lincoln Riley want to come in here and then have to coexist with Joe Douglas? I'm sure that he would respect Joe Douglas's opinion. But Joe Douglas is going to say, hey, I signed a six-year deal. I didn't come in here to play second fiddle to some coach. Lincoln Riley is going to say, if I'm going to leave Oklahoma, I want full control. I don't want to have to answer to any general manager. So that could be a big problem too. But I certainly wouldn't rule out the possibility of the Johnsons trying to make a splash like that in a couple years if the Gase hire ends up not working out. That's going to wrap up part one of the weekend mailbag. We will be back with part two tomorrow. In the meantime, go ahead and read Chris's very big deal work over at JetsInsider.com. Follow him on Twitter at CNimbly and at JetsInsider. Follow his deputy editor, the president of the Calvin Anderson Fan Club, even though Calvin Anderson has been picked up by another team, Alan Schichter at Allen underscore S-C-H-E-C-H-T-E-R. And for the latest and greatest in New York Jets podcasts, you know where to go.